This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Listen, let's uh, just have a little bit of a conversation this morning, kind of where we left off last week and kind of pick up there. And I want to just say, I, I, I feel like something significant is going to take place in all of our hearts today. And I don't say that very often. God's grace is always good when we, you know, truly spend time with him and bring something from the heart of the Lord out of his word. But I have just a sense today that, that what God wants to bring to us may be a little extraordinary, and so fitting on, on 4th of July weekend, you know, it's so interesting to think that years and years ago, our, our founders, the forefathers of this country, you know, created this constitution to where every person that lives in this nation would be able to pursue life, come on, liberty or freedom and the pursuit of happiness, right? Joy, that that would, these things would be the portion of our lives here in this country. And so... God truly wants this bravery to, to be postured, to prosper, to really rise up in us in this moment. I believe now is the most dynamic time, I think, ever for the body of Christ. In, in my opinion, in the course of human history, it's a significant moment. And, and I'm going to talk about that today. And how are we going to be positioned to prosper? What I want to do in this kind of part B of my, my teaching from last week is I want to talk about how we effectively manage expectations. This is really important for us to get because it, it will it'll allow us by God's grace to be properly positioned um, when we're at a unique moment. And we need to understand the times, right? Like, you know, the, the sons of Issachar, that's what they were able to do. They were able to, to understand the times of what was basically happening. The other day, the other morning, um, Wendy and I were conversing as we were each spending time with Jesus, and she opened up to me about a dream that she had just woken up from a few hours earlier. And this was the dream. The dream was we had been on this long road and we had come to a T in the road. So there was only two options at the T, to go right and to go left. And in this dream, as we had come to this T in the road, we were, we were parked in a parking lot and we were observing something that was happening before us. And basically on the left side of this highway, this T, cars were coming down um, the road at a very high speed and they weren't able to see other cars that had gotten stopped in front of them. And they were, yeah, it was a very steep hill that they were coming down and they were crashing into each other. So now the right-hand side of the road which was a direction that we were actually planning on taking, was now all clogged up with all of these cars that had crashed into each other. Has anybody ever seen this on the news where, you know, it's like an icy highway and then all of a sudden one car goes off and then another and then it kind of begins to build up and the next thing you know, it's smash, smash, smash and then the, the cars that had a little bit more time before now have less time and it just keeps amplifying. This was basically the thing that was happening in the dream. And we were in a car... And it wasn't just our family, it was other people as well. So I believe that the car, which oftentimes in prophetic instances uh, represents ministry, I believe it was this church. I believe it was you and I 
in this place. And the parking lot in some ways felt like we were kind of stuck. Because, you know, we, we, we were thinking maybe we'll go up the hill, back up the hill, but we knew actually we were supposed to go to the other direction, but here's all these cars that are piled. And um, Wendy actually heard in the dream, she said, this portion of this highway or this, let's call it this moment in, in time is one of the most dangerous portions of the road that anybody could ever travel on. And the blind spot of these people coming down off this high place and crashing into other people was what was affecting this moment and what was transpiring. I asked her, I said, what do you think that was all about? And she said, well, it was interesting in one part of the dream as I was wrapping up, I looked back down the road, the long road in which we had come from, but the scenery looked completely different and there was no one on the road and we began to head back in the other direction. Okay, now listen to this. This is really important for you to hear. A lot of times when we find ourselves stuck in a moment and we see this crashing of people's lives happening in front of us on a significant level and it's clogging up the direction that we're supposed to, we think we're supposed to go. What if the Lord wants to turn us around and take us back to where this whole thing began and that is our first love with Jesus. The thing about first love and returning to our first love after being in a journey that's been a very, very long road is we can lose heart along the way. But if we could see today that there is there is, despite the ups and downs of a long journey, there is a clear road. In fact, one of the things that Wendy told me, she said, it was so interesting because the road that we had come down, none of it looked familiar as I looked back down it again. So in other words, it's not like you're going back to some place that you're not supposed to be. It's actually going back to that place of first love, but with whole new perspective. Here's the thing, and why do I give this this dream illustration, I've learned, um, as Paul has in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, um, that in every circumstance of life, we can have the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There's capacity to, to do well on the high mountain. There's capacity to, to, to persevere as we're coming down into a valley that we know not what awaits us in that space. Paul said, I've learned in every circumstance to, to abound, to prosper, you know, in want and in need. You see, there's a, there's a place that God wants to bring us to where he matures us to the place where we're positioned to actually thrive in life. Now, last week, we, we took a look at this scripture. I'm going to put it up for you again. Third John chapter one, verse two, quickly. He says, beloved friend, 
I pray that you are prospering in every way. So there's, there's a positioning in God where our lives are able to prosper in every single way. Everybody say every way. Every way in our lives, right? And that you continually enjoy good health. I think there's a, a, a link to soul prosperity as it relates to our health. I think a lot of people's souls and their health um, affliction is, are tied together. You know, this is where God wants to have us be healthy, right? In body, this is really important. Um, and he says that you would continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. So everything, in my opinion, flows out of soul prosperity. Because how many of you know God is calling us to win the world, to be victorious as his church? And we can only do that if our souls, through process, continually move into states of optimum health and optimum prosperity. Prosperity of soul. Listen, that's why the, the scriptures talk about, hey, guard your heart. And actually, the, the word says that the Lord sets himself as a sentinel over our hearts, as a guard. Because out of your heart flows what? The wellsprings of life, right? Like this is, this is the foundation for our success. Now, we know that, that man is threefold. And I'm just, I got to just lay in a little foundation here. We are spirit. So we ask Jesus in our heart, boom, our spirits are made new, right? We are body, like this, this flesh and blood, right? So there's, there's aspects of that dynamic um, that we need to be mindful of. But, at, but the last thing that we are is soul. And this is, this is mind, will, and emotions. As I've said, authentic kingdom prosperity flows from being whole in soul. And so how do we maintain soul health through the highs and lows of life. Well, first we need to have faith, proper mindsets and belief systems in what Christ has actually accomplished. We need to have hope. We need to know that the promises that he's given to us are yes and amen, and they will be fulfilled. Actually, this aspect of Jesus in us actually come into fruition and love to where we now begin to put the Lord on display. So this is what God is, is doing. He's building our houses on the rock of eternal things, not on sand that shakes and shifts all over the place based on circumstances that are going on in the world, right? And so he does this by, again, dismantling ungodly belief systems, overcoming destructive life patterns, right? Our wills, if they're not aligned, then destructive life patterns begin to set in. He begins to, through our emotions, break dysfunctional emotional cycles, right? We don't need to be high, then low, then angry, then happy, right? Like those things will, will transpire, but he wants to, to break cycles of, of emotional dysfunction. So how does that happen? I mentioned last week that when the Lord was talking about people uh, being true worshipers that he was raising up, there were these ones that the eyes of the Lord are seeking to and fro across the entire world. And, and they're ones that worship him in spirit and in Right? Spirit and truth. So we must worship him in truth. This is where the faith component comes in. Look at this with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 through 22. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, it's all talking about family here. We come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. 
Why is that one massively important when you see things crashing around you, when you're parked and you feel stuck? Lord, where are you? Are you with me? I've, I've come down off the mountain. I'm in this low place. Are you with me? Yes. Whether we feel it or not, whether we believe it, this is where he, he wants to bring faith. He wants to give us this gift to be convinced that nothing will keep us from a distance, at a distance from him. He says, Paul continues, or the writer of Hebrews continues, for our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. We've been freed from an accusing conscience and we are now clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. This is massive because when you're in this soul prosperity process and you're doing ups and downs in your own life, one of the biggest things the enemy comes and hits us with there is just terrible condemnation holy spirit conviction is good condemnation from the adversary is not good do you understand that so this is where to get out of having an accusing an accusing conscience is way different than a convicting conscience two totally separate things right the Lord convicts. He woos us with his love. He actually, in these moments, he comes and loves us even more. And we're like, whoa, wait a minute. Why are you loving me? I'm, and we have many mindsets that say, well, I'm unlovable right now. And he's like, no, I'm going to show you how lovable you are. And he convicts us with his love. Accusing conscience says, you're a loser. You're this. You're never going to change. You're always going to be like this. And speaks those and spews those lies over us time and time again. So worship in faith. This is where... We believe the truth of what Jesus has accomplished, that impurity from our lives has been removed by his blood. I'm gonna have John put this up there. We've been freed from an accusing conscience, and we understand that we are clean, unstained, presentable to God inside and out. Darren, what are you talking about? This is where there's a transfer that happens when we give our lives to Jesus. We are no longer sinners. The Bible refers to us as saints. Darren, are you saying that we're never gonna mess up? No, there'll be processes our mind is being renewed, but your identity is no longer as a sinner in Jesus. It is as a saint in Christ. I know that's mind-blowing to you, but this is the gospel. This is the good news. If there's not good news, it's not good news. The gospel is called the gospel of good news, right? So we have this ability to be brought into the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did, not, not on our own, right? And because of this, this is so amazing, we can approach him with an open heart. Our hearts aren't closed off where we've got to run from God, run, run away, maybe go through penance, you know, do all these religious things to feel like we have justified ourselves enough to come back into the, to the presence of the Lord. That is not how this thing works. We can approach him even in our times of trouble. In fact, he says in Hebrews, run boldly before the throne of grace in a time of trouble so that you can find help. Because we live convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. But it doesn't stop there. We worship him in spirit. This is where hope comes in concerning all that I just spoke about. Verse 23 in chapter 10. And I'm going to just move through this and wrap this thing up. He says, so we must, must cling tightly to the hope that what lives within us. Knowing that God always keeps his promises. So the promise that he's talking about here is what lives within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we must cling tightly, the translation here says, to this hope that lives within us. Here's what that means. We keep this truth in our memory 
think we have this for you as well, to continually move forward in this truth, more and more getting more of this truth inside of our minds and to ultimately fully possess this truth. What would that look like? But here's the thing that I wanna end with here. And to retain this truth. It's not just memory. It's not just moving forward. It's not just possessing it. It's keeping this in our hearts. The psalmist talks about hiding this word of the Lord, this treasure on the inside of our hearts. So where do things kind of go wrong here as we're in these seasons of craziness, like what we're kind of experiencing right now on the earth? We need to properly manage our expectations to his promises and what, those, what that actually looks like and maintain our love for him or continually return to the place of first love. When you find yourself at that, that crossroads and you're unable to go right and you, you, you're unable to go left and you don't know if you want to go backwards, look back again at your journey with Jesus and maybe find that place with him again in a whole new way now that you've come down this road where you've matured a bunch, where you've kind of grown through some of the things that life has thrown your way. As it relates to the promises of God, we need to understand that prosperity of soul is his primary promise. Okay, Darren, what? what? We can't be truly successful in life if our souls are not foundationally in a place of prosperity. Are you following me? In fact, I've seen it a million times, man. You can have the, the most beautiful family. You can have the best job. You can be knocking down like tons of, of resource in your life. But if your soul prosperity is not foundationally holding you in the ups of those things or in the downs of those things, there's no way to ultimately have prosperity in, in, in the world and that kind of influence. God is wanting to, to, to keep his promise. That what he began in us, he's going to bring to completion because all other prosperity will flow from there. Here's, here's, here's where I'm going with all this. I really believe that the main mission of Jesus is to see his church ready for what he wants to pour out on the earth. Not the other way around. Give us all the, God, give us your anointing. Give us your presence. Give us your favor. God, begin to, 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 to catalytically put us into places in the world where we're, you know, used mightily by you. Yes, that's what he wants to do. But he wants to get us positioned to where we can endure and see this thing come all the way to the end. I've been watching these documentaries on Medal of, of uh, Medal of Honor award winners in the military. It is profound to see love flowing through the lives of these individuals that were willing to put their own selves at risk for the betterment of other people. And what the common denominator, denominator that I'm seeing with every single one of these people is that they, there's a grace over them to endure to the very end, even if they have to lose their lives in the process. Come on, guys. 
This isn't like a, a, a sprint. This is a marathon race where God is giving us capacity for endurance because he's, he's infusing this within our souls and that we are being raised up in this moment willing to go even unto the death ourselves to preserve and make a way for other people. It, there's no greater honor. There's no greater expression of love than this. Well, where do things kind of go wrong as I wrap this up? Well, hope... If we're going to cling tightly, hope is always tied to an anticipation, or maybe a better word is expectation. Maybe I'm the only one here, but have you ever had an expectation that went unmet? Anyone had an expectation that went unmet? How did you feel on the backside of that expectation being unmet? Probably pretty disillusioned, right? Every single time, 100% of the time. No one is like, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, my husband, he's going to come home today and he's going to clean up the house. He's going to make me dinner. He's going to have some flowers sitting there on the thing. When I get back, the, the, the kids are going to be all taken care of. Like everything's going to be in order. I'm saying this because I've done this. Can I get an amen? All right. And she walks in and you can just see the air, just the breath go out of her lung. I'm like, what did I do wrong? You know, like, but if there's an expectation that's uncommunicated, undefined, uninked on some contract, if you will, like, and it goes unmet. How many times have we had expectations with God in this thing called our journey of faith? And they've gone unmet. And who, we, we can say we don't have this, but we're lying actually. Who do we have the disillusionment with? The Lord. Right? We don't say it. We try to over-spiritualize this, but the disillusionment actually falls on the Lord. And um, the only promise, this, I was sitting there with, with Jesus, and I can't explain this, but this revelation just popped off in my heart. And I just have to pray that somehow you, you grasp what I'm trying to communicate. But the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says, the only promise, Darren, the only promise, 100%, that I am going to fulfill in you is this work of Jesus that I started. And I will back that word until your dying breath. Everything else, and then he continued, he said, everything else, those other promises you feel, they're real. Those prophetic words, they're real. But, but because I love you, they will overflow out of this first promise that I've made to you as a, as a son. That is a good father. Where he's like, I'm going to get your heart, all religion out, all relationship in, all lies out, all truth in. Right? And he's going to get our hearts. It's, it's kind of like this. When you've really died to your old self, you can truly live. Back to the Medal of Honor thing. This one colonel was narrating one of the stories, and he says, when you realize as a soldier that you could die at any moment, and you're okay with that, not that anybody of us are okay with it, he said, that's when courage can kick in. Because you're no longer trying to preserve your life. 
You're no longer trying to like, you're going to run when the going gets tough. No, you're like, hey, I'm already, I'm already a dead guy. This is the same thing as it is in Jesus. We are dead. We have died to who we once were. There's a new original self that's in you that has always been there, even before you were formed and fashioned in your mother's womb. And God is resurrecting that. That is the true you. That is who he is bringing forth. And his promise to see that reality come to pass is yes and amen. And he will never stop. He will never relent anything and everything that hinders love between us and him. He is going to give his, he is, he's the, the prodigal father running to us. When we think we're making a move to him, man, he's been just there the whole time waiting. Just come home. Just come back. Come out of your disillusionment. Come back down that road home again. It's going to look totally different this time. Megan, you guys can come up. Offense. Okay. It can take root in our hearts towards the Lord. Can I just get really real with you here today? Because this, this actually goes practically. The hor- we got to keep the vertical. We got to keep it tied to the horizontal to make this thing like have some teeth. Here's what happens. When you get disillusioned, when you get angry, when you get upset at the Lord, guess who that comes out on? Anybody? People. A mentor of mine was talking to a pastor the other day that's been through the the ups and the downs, the hard times and the good times in ministry. He's been on this journey a long road, and his heart is not in a place of innocence right now. And he told the mentor of mine, he said, if it wasn't for people, the church would be an incredible place. And my mentor with wisdom looked at him and he said, listen, I don't know how else to say this to you, but the church is people. It's people. I'm amazed at Jesus. I'm amazed at Stephen. I'm amazed at all of the the apostles that have gone before us that when they were being, you know, persecuted and crucified by their closest friends, by their own countrymen, Jesus was somehow able to, on the hanging on that cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And power was released into the earth. We can't let some unseen enemy take from us that is not something that's not his portion. He has no right, no authority over us to get us in a, in a place of, of, of a twisted heart where we start to look at people in the wrong kind of way. Now, may we look at them with more wisdom, more discernment. May we not go down roads of mistakes with people that we've made before, 100%. The road looks different as you look back down it, this time with Jesus. But the innocence of heart, getting rid of the pain of those unmet expectations and disillusionment with God, with God having to grind that out with the people that you love and having to go there. It's with the Lord. Trust me, it's with the Lord. Sometimes I felt the brunt of that myself as a pastor. I know some people are going through things and man, who do they take it out on? Me. Pray for me. You know, but it's okay because it's like this, this is the way that this thing walks itself out oftentimes. John, 1 John, ending with this. 
He says, if someone says, I love God, 1 John 4, 20, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, then how can we love God who we cannot see? So as we close this, here's what I want to say. Love looks like something. It looks like something. And I want to give you two things that I believe it looks like. Compassion and virtue. Compassion. Write these down. Make a mental note. Say it to yourself in the next seven days of your quiet time with the Lord. Say, Father, love looks like something. And Darren says it looks like compassion and virtue. I want these things to exude from my life. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. He says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. The original language here says to discover ways to encourage others and motivate them towards acts of compassion and love. How do we do that? Get up on some stage and rah-rah people to go religiously love on other people and individuals? That's how we, in some ways, think the church is and how it's designed. We're, hey, let's, let's, kinda, let's get everybody pumped up and stoked on the word. Let's have some really jamming worship and get people like, like all kind of infused with emotion to go love on somebody. No, we have to carry this love in us. It's like if God starts to burn in one heart, and it's authentic and it's real and you can see it, man, you are going to be, here's the word for it, provoked. Even the scriptures say that, man, the, the Jews themselves, they will be provoked with jealousy by who? The Gentiles, us. Because of what? Our love for God that's overflowing in love for people. And this is where when we consider one another, like I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, I'm saying this just in front of you as my friends. I'm saying, God, help me to consider other people. This means to observe, to watch, to behold, to perceive, to discover, which means to obtain sight and to perceive, to become aware through the senses of what the father sees when he looks down at that said person. God, infuse me with this kind of in order to provoke good works in the earth. Our very actions promote the good works of God that he wants to do through us. I want Canil to sing a song that he wrote. I love this song. I just actually was a part of a recent recording that he just did that was video that was beautiful and this is maybe one of my favorite songs that he's written on this album that he'll soon be releasing but it talks about like getting back to that place of first love really the embers of God that burn in us and as we go there this morning could we just not be so enamored with the crashing that's going on before us because it's 
it's it's going to happen, guys. It's I, I I hate to say it. They, I don't. The, the the crashing has begun. People's souls are sick. They've made. I'm I'm not saying that to throw a stone. I'm just saying like the world is a mess, and the things that the world has chased has not brought them any fulfillment, and it's it's not getting any easier for people. And 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 they're going to be looking for somebody. Somebody to be provoked by. And it's you and I. So what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to turn around and look back down our road. And if you see garbage and trash and bad memories, like there's some work that needs to be done. But if you see beautiful mountains and wide highways, possibility. You'll still have that maturity, but you'll be positioned. Can we just sing this to the Lord real quick before we close today? Thank you, Lord. First love. Spirit and in truth. Help us to worship you. Help us to build our lives upon a rock and not on sand in these days. Can we stand all over this room as we close? 
could you just hold out your hands just posture and say, God, I want to breathe you in. The same breath that you blew in my lungs a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago or as Wendy said, 40 years ago. Breathe that life into me again today. Revive our hearts. Come, Lord, and revive the hearts of the church in this region. Lord, it is a moment today to see an unprecedented move of God unlike ever before in the midst of cars crashing into one another. Lord, you're going to take us down a highway back to the place of our first love. And we're asking for this to be done in us today. Begin to spark a flame on the inside. Sing this again. Come on, every voice. So close. unmet expectations being brought before you today all emotions that have become dysfunctional we bring them before you today all unhealthy lifestyle patterns ungodly beliefs 
We come and we bring them before your throne today and we say, change us, Lord, from the inside out because your son, the spirit of Christ, lives on the inside of us. Get the reward of your suffering from our lives, Lord, for what you paid for. Let this become a reality. I thank you for, there's, listen, you need to hear this. There's maturity in the room. Lots of maturity. You've been through lots of life things, more than you think, more than you realize, even for your age, whatever age you find yourself at. And those are good things. All the ups, all the downs, all the successes, all the failures, all the beautiful relationships, even the betrayals. God will take it all and he will use it for his glory. God will redeem everything that has been taken from you. He will buy it back. He will will turn it for your good, for those that are called according to his purposes. This is his promise, what he began in you. He's going to complete Christ in you, the hope of glory for the entire world. So Lord, as we go, as we leave this place and we go hang out outside and enjoy some fellowship with each other, Lord, would you, would you stir our hearts? Would you remind us of truth? Would you empower us by your spirit to live an otherworldly kind of life? Lord, we love you. Can we give Jesus a huge hand clap of praise for his goodness? God, you're so faithful. Come on, let's just thank him. Come on. Come on, tell him, Lord, you're so good. You're better than good. You're more than we think, Lord. You're better than we realize. Come on, give him a hand clap. Lord, we thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you that you've set us free. We thank you that you've given us life and life abundant. Thank you that you've set joy as our portion, God. You are so good. Come on, tell him, Lord, you are so good. Amen, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.